And so you just worry about what you're doing where you are. Come on, say amen, somebody. Yes, indeed. So if you'll take out your phone or your iPad or whatever you brought with you today, we want to get into the book of Judges. Our series is Moving Forward. What is it, everybody? Moving Forward. And we've been looking at the experience of the children of Israel coming out of slavery into the promised land. And we believe that this, in fact, has some application and some merit for our situation. How many believe that the Bible is not just a book of stories, but actually means something to where we are right now? Sometimes we assume that we know what the Bible is saying. And I have discovered that sometimes the most powerful truths from the word come when we look deeper. Somebody shout deeper. When was the last time you got deep into the word? And you pulled out fresh jewels and riches of what God was saying. I believe that the word of God should not just be read. It ought to be studied. Would you say amen, somebody? So we have come to study the word of God. Anybody here to study God's word? Yes, indeed. Somebody shout, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Say the word of God. Come on, saints, the word of God is my textbook. Praise God. Yes, indeed. I believe that God has a word for us today. And if, in fact, I'm just here preaching, then we're all in trouble. If God doesn't speak, we're all in trouble. How many are believing God that the Lord is going to get past Myron and say something to you today? Come on, say amen. Yes. Last night we were at Southeast. They have an awesome revival going on there. We want to encourage you during the weeknights to go on over there and support them every day at 5 o'clock in the morning and 12 and at 7 in the evening they've been seeking God in prayer for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Come on in here somebody. And last night the preacher was just laying out powerful truths. Pastor uh, Mackenzie Cambese from Toledo, Ohio. And one of the things that he said to us, he says worship is something that you prepare for. Many of us do not get the blessing that we stand in need of in worship because we have not prepared for it. If you leave here today and get nothing, it's because it's your fault. You got to prepare. Somebody expectant today for God to do something. If you're here, just wave your hand in the air. You are anticipating God doing something. Praise God. We're going to move around this morning, but before we do, I want to have a word of prayer and ask for the blessings of God. Father, Right now, I am desperate for you to help me out today to be able to share and to express what it is that your will is concerning us. We realize that we are living, in fact, in the last days. We see it as we watch the news and we realize that no place is safe. We recognize these things when we see the various signs being fulfilled. But God, we just don't want to talk about being ready. We want to be ready. So God, I'm asking right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that through the word of God and this worship experience that we will be ready. You will get us ready. Use me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Where did my tie go? It was on during the prayer. Come on, say amen. Y'all pray for me. It just is a lot more comfortable when I don't have it on and I'm preaching. Judges chapter 21. Would you go there, please? Judges chapter 21. 
And we're going to begin here. I want to give you just a sort of an introduction today on the book of Judges and why this book is quite, quite a book to study. As a matter of fact, I would suggest to you that that the book of Judges is probably one of the most overlooked books in the Bible, but probably one of the most relevant books in the Bible for our study in 2012. Has anybody ever here ever read the book of Judges? Just wave your hand. You ever read anything in the book of Judges? For example, if, you, if you're biblically illiterate, uh, Judges records the story of Samson. Uh, Judges records the story of Gideon. Uh, Judges records the story of a woman named Deborah. Judges is a book about salvation. As a matter of fact, the name Judges means deliverer. In other words, the book is about how God delivers his people out of their situations. How many want to learn about a delivering God today? Come on, say amen. However, it is not really a book that paints a very good picture of God's people. As a matter of fact, the picture that is presented in the book of Judges, it presents a picture of people who are up and down with God, who are wishy-washy with God. As a matter of fact, you'll see throughout the study of the book of Judges that, that they were only spiritual so long as they had a leader that was spiritual. If the leader was not spiritual or the judge was not spiritual, they were not spiritual. And what would happen is, is God would remove the judge and they, he would then inflict them with trials and tribulations. And then they would call out to God and say, God, help us. God, we need you. And then God would send the deliverer. And as soon as the deliverer left, they would go right back to their ways. And the Bible even says is they would get worse than they were before. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Anybody tired of being up and down in your walk with God? The inconsistencies, the, 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 the broken promises, the, 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 the commitments that last just for a little while. Well, the book of Judges is for you. Judges 21 and verse 25, I believe, gives us, if you please, the, the, the identifying statement that would break down to us the trouble with the book of Judges. And it says here in Judges chapter 21 and verse 25, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. Does that sound like 2012? The Bible says there was no king in Israel and people did whatever they wanted to do. There were no standards. There were no laws that were not being broken. People were doing whatever they wanted to do. The historical perspective of this text, if I might lay it out for you, is this, so you'll understand. Judges fits in between God delivering his children out of bondage, getting them right to the promised land. And it is on the other side, it introduces to us the monarchy or the kingship of Israel. In other words, Judges is the period of history in the lives of the Israelites when they had no king and they had no real leader. I want to suggest to us today that leadership is important. Would you say amen? 
I do not want to downplay the idea that that, of course, we should know the Lord for ourselves. We should we should have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We should not have to depend on a preacher in order for us to be spiritual. But but understand this. God always calls somebody to lead. If we lived in a leaderless world, we would live in a world that is very similar to what we see in Judges, where people would do whatever they want. I thank God for prophets. I thank God for pastors. I thank God for mothers and fathers. We need leadership. We need guidance. Let me take it a step further. We need each other. You cannot live a holy life by yourself. You cannot be godly in independence. You cannot walk in faithfulness to God without somebody in your face. One of the things that I want to argue today is one of the reasons why many of us are doing whatever we want in our own eyes is simply because we have not allowed people in our lives to be able to speak the word of God to us as it relates to what we do. We sort of have an opinion that it ain't nobody's business, that this is my life. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. And you can, you, you, you can judge me if you want, but this is my life. Stay out of my life. Leave me alone. Let me do me. That's the news phrase now. I'm just doing me. You worry about your life. And to some extent, yes, we should give people the room to have their individuality. But I'm going to tell you right now, there is no way in the world that people are going to make it in heaven in isolation. You have got, I thank God today, that there are people in my life that speak life to me. I'm glad I have people in my life that also rebuke me. I'm glad I have people in my life that chastise me. If you don't have people in your life that cannot talk to you in a way that is corrective in nature, then you are on a path of destruction. And more than likely, you're doing what's right in your own eyes. If you're always the one giving advice, if you're always the one that has the right solution to the problem, and there's never anybody in your life, doesn't matter what their age is, all of us need somebody in our lives that will provide guidance, that will show us ourselves, that will help us to walk faithfully to Christ and understand you cannot do that by yourself. That's why there's a church. Now I want you to go to Judges chapter 1. The book of Judges starts off with God's people inhabiting the promised land. They are fighting together for a common purpose. At the end of the book of Judges, and you read it in your spare time, They are now fighting against each other. As a matter of fact, it was a civil war that started because a priest had a concubine. He took his concubine with him on a road trip. And when he got on the road trip, there were some crazy people who wanted to have sex with his concubine. So he gave up his concubine. And when they got finished with the concubine after all night long, he then in his anger took the concubine, cut her up in 12 pieces, and then mailed each one of her pieces to one of the 12 tribes of Israel. 
It started a civil war between God's people. So, so I want you to follow me now because you're going to learn. We, history is here for a reason. We've got to have history so that we learn either to repeat what's good about it or not to repeat what's bad about it. But many of us do not learn from the past. And so we're destined to repeat it. So I want to show you today how God's people ended up in a place of civil war, ended up in a place where the Bible says that every thought that they had was to do what was right in their own eyes. They were there to inhabit Canaan, and Canaan inhabited them. Are you worldly? Does the world have more influence on us than we have influence on them? So watch this now. I want to just take you on a biblical journey, and we're going to use our words today. Go to Judges chapter 1. Amen? In Judges chapter 1, obviously it follows the book of Joshua. We're going to get some perspective here on how, and this is the question I want to answer today. How is it that we have lost so many of our young people? Take it or leave it. I want to share with you why we have lost generations. Generations. We have, just as an example, we have 1,400 members on our books. We may have 350 people in the room today. Where did all these people go? And especially, if we can be honest right now, we, can we not admit that there is a problem, not just at Glenville, but in the church, no matter what denomination it is, with losing, I need y'all to hear me today, help me Holy Spirit, with losing generations of young people. I don't even know if we can call them young people now. Let's just say we have lost generations. We have lost generations from the 60s, we have lost those born in the 70s. We have lost those born in the 80s. And we are struggling with everything that's within us to keep this tattoo, pierce everything, do whatever I want, technology generation. Anybody awake in here now? I, you don't have to raise your hand, but I know that under the sound of my voice, there are many of us in here who know that I'm driving down your street when I begin to talk about losing our kids to the streets, losing our kids to drugs, losing our kids to success, losing generations to everything but God. Where are they? How did we lose them? And especially with such a rich history. I'm going to show you today, I don't believe, I do not believe that what we are witnessing is simply just the signs of the times. It's worse than that. Understand this. I expect for somebody like James Holmes, is that his name? The guy who, is it John Holmes, whatever the guy's name is. 
We ought not be surprised about seeing stuff like that. Never one of us, come on and hear somebody, who understand this book and understand where we are going in history should not be as at all surprised of what happened yesterday. As a matter of fact, and, and please do not misunderstand what I'm saying here, it not only will happen again, but it will be worse. And it will happen closer to home. I don't know about you, but I prayed yesterday. And I said, Lord, you're coming soon. This world is wicked. I thank God uh, and, not, and, not, and not to be insensitive to the plight of those families. But God in his mercy is allowing with the winds of strife that he is holding in check. I want you to hear me now. He is allowing these, these things, these tragedies to happen to provide us with a reality check and a wake up call. We're, we, we are time sensitive Christians. We believe that he that shall come will come and will not tarry. We believe, and, and this goes back to our history, we as a believing body, we, the reason why we exist is not just because of Sabbath. We really exist because we're Adventists. See, most of us are Seventh Day, but we're not Adventists. Seventh Day says... That I get my praise on, I, I get my spiritual fix on the weekends. I'm different, y'all. Why? Because I worship on Sabbath, okay? But guess what? The real impetus of being what we are is more than a day. The real impetus, impetus of what we are is the idea that we believe that Jesus can come at any moment. It has, we are at a point now when when you talk about the coming of Christ, it's cliche. Nobody has moved anymore. I would even go so far as to say that after what we saw yesterday, there are, hey, let's, let's just be honest. Listen, don't do anything crazy after what you saw yesterday. Don't. It's emotion. Do not come to Christ because of what you saw yesterday. It will not last. Your reasoning ought to be different. Come on, say amen, somebody. Uh, your reasoning is God has been so good to me that I want to be ready for him when he comes. All you saw yesterday was just a sneak peek of how bad it's going to get. And know this, if you study prophecy, we're going to start seeing those situations happen in the hundreds. To the extent that if you don't know the Lord, you can walk down any neighborhood and you will fear for your life. So what I'm saying is, is I expect to see tragedy. I expect to see mayhem. I expect to see massacres. What I do not expect to see and what we should not get comfortable with is seeing the same stuff in the world in the church. Now, some of y'all think you know what I'm talking about. But I'm going to define what real worldliness is today. We have lost 
a generation to the world. We have lost gener- Are you? Are, is anybody understanding? I'm going to show you today how we can stop that thing. I remember when I was a kid, they used to say to me that I was the church of tomorrow. And guess what? Tomorrow came the next day. Church cannot be an old folk sport. And it is. And I know many of you are going to be offended by the things that are said here today. But I'm going to preach the truth anyhow. There is a problem, baby. And it's got to get fixed. If, 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 if in your bank account, all of a sudden you notice that monies were just being drained. Every time you deposited your check, it was gone. Every time you deposited some money you got, it was gone. You would raise holy hell to find out what was wrong with your financial situation. Uh, why is there not the same kind of raising of holy hell as we are seeing generations of our children come in and go out? You can tell what people value based on what they get mad about and based on what they celebrate. We should be outraged. We should be strategizing. We should be planning. We should be praying. We should be fasting because we should say no child left behind. I ain't talking about George Bush's educational program. I'm talking about the church. Hear me now. If If the old days were so good, and I believe, according to scripture, that we had some good old days. Come on, say amen. We thank God for the old days. Come on, say amen. But my Bible tells me that our latter days shall be greater than our former days. Many of us are so caught up in what used to be that we have forgotten what God is doing right now. Do you realize that the best days of God's church are not behind it, but ahead of it? Do you realize that the culmination of our existence is when Jesus Christ bursts through the clouds and there's going to be a generation, according to the prophet of the remnant church, that will stand through difficult times, that will be able to resist the temptations of the world, that when they have no mediator, they will be able to walk in faithfulness to God. And I'm telling you now, it will be the generation we lost. The work finishers not even in the room right now. I said that now that offended somebody. You know what I'm saying? Okay. All right. I ain't saying you don't got no place in the work. Come on, somebody. I'm saying, according to your prophet, she tells us that it's going to be a, an army of youth, rightly trained, that will finish the work. And I, I grew, I am a fourth generation in this thing. And I have grown up and I have watched how generation after generation of our children, the statistics say if you got 10 kids that get baptized, six of them will leave. Don't tell me there's nothing wrong with our church. 
they're just doing fine. And don't tell me it's just because of the external stuff that we notice. Here we go. Judges chapter one. This will show us the recipe for losing a generation. Very quickly. The Bible says in Judges one, after the death of who, everybody? The Israelites asked the Lord, who will be the first to go up and fight for us against the Canaanites? The Lord answered, Judah is to go. I have given the land into their hands. The Bible says in verse 3, Then the men of Judah said to the Simeonites, their brothers, Come up with us into the territory allotted to us to fight against the Canaanites. We, in turn, will go with you into yours. So the Simeonites went with them. Verse 4, When Judah attacked, the Lord gave the Canaanites and Perizzites into their hands, and they struck down 10,000 men at Bezek. Now, watch this. They had just come out of the leadership of Joshua. These are the same folk who saw God use them with a shout to cause walls to come down. They did not have to fight. As they got closer, they saw God pause the Jordan River, standing up on its back, back up off them so that they can walk on dry ground. They saw that. And so you know what? After Joshua died, they mourned, but they said, we got to go forward. They were in the promised land. Y'all better hear me. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to be real practical. Being in the promised land is not being in heaven. Many of us apply the promised land to getting to heaven. Okay, no. Being in the promised land is equivalent to joining God's church. They had to, in faith, believe God. They had to go through the water of baptism, so to speak, of the Red Sea and the Jordan. And once they went through, then they got in the promised land. If you're in here, you're just in the promised land. But you're not fulfilling the mission. Let me break this down. Simply being in church is not the agenda that God has for his people. That's step number one. In other words, get them in position. And when they get in position, it's just the beginning of work. It's just the beginning of the process. It's just the beginning of the mission. I'm going to be very practical today. There are many of us, problem number one, we got comfortable. Write that down. If you want to save a group of kids, you better write this down. The first failure is to get comfortable. Comfortable in God. Comfortable in the church. Watch this. Look at the scriptures. I'm going to illustrate. Go to first uh, Judges 1 and then verse 19. The Bible says the Lord was with the men of Judah. Did y'all hear that? Did you, what did I just say? Oh, there, there it goes. Say it one more time. What did the Bible say? Oh, I love that. 
How many want the Lord to be with them? If God has given you an assignment, the number one thing you ought to want is for him to be with you. If he's given you some kids to raise, Sean and Shelly, what you need is him to be with you. If you are facing a trial or tribulation, the best thing that you can have on your side is not money, but him to be with you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I get excited about this. There is nothing more powerful than him being with you. There is nothing more frightening than going out as Samson did and hearing these words. And he did not know that the Lord was not with him. So understand this now. When they went out to finish the job, somebody shout finish the job. They were in Canaan, but it wasn't just enough to be in Canaan. They had an assignment to occupy Canaan. Watch what happens. The Bible says the Lord was with the men of Judah. They took possession of the what everybody? Hill country. But they were unable to drive the people from the plains because they had iron chariots. Anybody catch that? How is it that God can be with you and you fail? Is, did the text not say God was with them? Talk to me, saints. Got a little fidgety today. The Bible says God was with them, right? But then, and God's assignment for them was to drive the folk out. I'm going to show you that. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to go now. Uh, to the book of, uh, let's go to Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 10. Let me tell you exactly what God told them to do. Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 10. Are you with me? The Bible says in Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 10, the Bible says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess... Now, keep your finger in Judges. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hittites, all the sites. Come on, say amen. <laughs> seven nations. Watch this now. Seven nations larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you, who will deliver them to them? The Lord, the Lord your God. And you have defeated them. Then you must destroy them totally. Somebody shout totally. Make no treaty with them. Show them no mercy. Verse 3. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. Verse 5, this is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars. Smash their sacred stones. Cut down their Asherah poles. And burn their idols in the fire. For you are a people holy. Somebody shout holy. To the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of, and I love this part. Now, now this is what we got to get. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Why did he do that? 
The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other peoples. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand. Anybody did he bring you out today and redeemed you from the land of slavery. Anybody been delivered from some kind of slavery from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Did you have a Pharaoh in your life? Now, verse nine says, know, therefore, that the Lord, your God is God. He is he is of the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. But those who hate him, he will repay to their face by destruction. He will not he will not be slow to repay to their face those who hate him. Verse 11. Therefore, take care. Somebody shout take care to follow the commands, decrees and laws I give you today. So the assignment of God was, I've got a promised land for you. I'm going to put you in the best land possible. As a matter of fact, when you get in there, you're not going to have to build anything. Or you, I'm going to go ahead of you, and by my power and your willingness, we're going to move the folk out. But understand this, don't play with them. Don't marry with them. Kill them. Don't leave anything breathing. I don't have time to get into this today, but it's, it's some scary stuff, doesn't it? I mean, children, kill them. They're dogs, kill them. This was the command of the Lord. When you get to Canaan, kill everything that breathes. Do not leave anything alive. Kill them dead. He says, if you don't, they're going to have more influence over you than you have over them. So watch this now. Going back to Judges 1, look what happens. The Bible says in the same verse of 19, it says, The Lord was with the men of Judah. They took possession of the hill country, but they were unable to drive the people from the plains because they had iron chariots. Now, we just read that God told them, if you follow me, you will drive them out. The first point I want to make on how to lose a generation of kids is, in your own personal life, Compromise. It is amazing to me how people are always talking about how worldly our kids are. Oh, come on, talk to me in here. Y'all so easily bored. I'm tired of flipping over this pulpit. I'm wasting too much energy. I need to slow down. I'm almost 40. I got to chill out. Come on, say it to somebody. I mean, we, 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 we. We, they're just so bad. They're irreverent. They have no respect. I was at Sonic the other day and I saw a, a young lady and, and she had tattoos all over her face. And my initial reaction was, well, what's wrong with that girl? I'm going to go here. I see the way some of our kids are dressed. It's the truth anyhow. And I'm trying to figure out, does their mama put them out there like that? And, our, and, 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 and we see these kids, and let's be honest, they make us uncomfortable. 
because they're different. They're rambunctious. They speak their mind and they don't care how old you are. They have no respect for authority. But can I tell you why? See, the assumption is, is that our kids are, are the way they are independent of their environment. An apple tree is going to produce bananas. Oh, I'm sorry. An apple tree is going to produce apples. Now, let me pause and say this. Are there exceptions where we have kids who come up in good homes and still do what they want to do? Of course. God himself lost one of his. But he kept most of them. He had quadrillions of kids, but he lost one. If all your kids are gone, if we have lost a whole generation, we can no longer say that it's just them. One of the things I'm learning about, I might have to do a part two on this. One of the things I'm learning about my son is my son does not respond to what I say as much as he responds to what I do. I'm I'm getting close to the street now. The GPS is leading me right there. The word of God says that Judah got to a place where, watch this now, where they... They were, they had God with them. I'm not saying that your experience with God, that the old days of the church were not meaningful. But something was missing. If that generation has lost more of its kids, that it is saved. And the scriptures gives us the reason why. You know why? Because we did not drive out all the stuff in our lives. We got the religion. We were ecstatic that we got in. But we stopped working. There are so many satisfied Seventh-day Adventists. And I'll tell you how. Because when you hear them talk, they always talk about the old days. But when they talk, they always talk about what they didn't do. Well, in our day, we didn't wear that. You didn't hear that. We didn't drink that. We didn't go there. Come on, talk to me, saints. I mean, I wish y'all would have met me when I first started preaching. I went, I mean, I came at that stuff with a vengeance. But I learned a little bit, got mature, got a little grace in my life. And I realized that what I'm seeing 
is the product of the other generation. You cannot give rules independent of relationship and want people to embrace the rules without the relationship. I'm going to keep showing you. So they got comfortable. They did what, everybody? The second thing they did is they compromised. They disobeyed. They did not fully follow God. In other words, they edited his instructions. They said, you know what? I'm going to do this much, but I'm not going to do the rest. I'm just glad that I'm in the promised land. I'm just glad that I'm in the church. I'm just glad I'm not where I used to be. I'm so tired of hearing that. I'm not where I used to be. Okay, yeah, you ain't not where you used to be no more. We know that already. Where are you going? Where are you going? Now, if the shoe does not fit, don't get mad. But let me tell you why I'm preaching this today. Because my son, Sean and Shelly, our children, our children the same generation, they are born in the most wicked. I'm, I'm afraid. And I got a home where we love the Lord. Where it ain't just Sabbath morning religion. But the risk is higher now. If we lost whole generations before and the world is worse now. I remember my mother used to tell me, she said, uh, she would say, you know, at some point y'all need to stop having kids. And I was like, why? She says, because you don't want to bring anything in this world. I mean, am I talking the truth in here? So I'm like, I'm, I mean, I'm really concerned now about Camden, Dwayne, because I'm saying to myself, Taylor, and I'm saying to myself, God, I want my people, I want my kids to be saved. And then the Lord says, He says, that's your problem. You want them to be saved, but that's not the mission. See. Part of our problem is, is we want so desperately to be saved that we have forgotten that our mission is not to be saved, but our mission is to save other folk. See, I, and I, oh, watch this. See, I know what you're saying. You're saying I, you can't save nobody else if you yourself is not saved. I agree. But see, the emphasis has always been, let's keep them. Let's preserve the truth. Oh, we have the truth. We know God's word, but we have what we do not do like the early days of this church. And you study the history. I ain't talking about in the 50s. I'm talking about in the 1800s when they thought Jesus Christ was coming tomorrow. They risked everything. They sacrificed everything. And they had one agenda, not just to be saved, but to tell as many other people as possible. He is coming. I don't know if you see it like I see it. Watch what happens here. When Joshua's alive, they're doing it. The minute Joshua dies, they try. They get comfortable. They got a little more money now. 
Or we were able to send our kids to college and we got tired of fighting. I'm talking to somebody in here today. There's somebody in here today. You love the Lord with all your heart. I'm not saying you're not saved. You love Jesus Christ, but somewhere along the journey, you got tired. You got tired of fighting. You got tired of changing. You got frustrated. And you got fearful. And notice what they said here. The text says that Judah got afraid of iron chariots. Technology. Yo, they, some iron, okay, I, I, get, I get it. I mean, you, you're a footman, you, you got nothing, and somebody zooms past you in a chariot. Yeah, you, uh, yeah. But God already told you before he called you that you would be outnumbered, that, you would, that, you, that people would be more powerful than you. And he said, look, the way that you're going to obtain the victory is not because of anything you've done, because of your intellect, your skill. Thank you, Jesus. He said, I called you, he says, because I, I loved you. And I was going to show the world that I can take nothing. Watch what happens. And I'm going to wrap it up. You need to see this. Go now. Uh, go now to Judges. Well, and by, by the way, while you're at 119, look at also verse 27. The Bible says it wasn't just Judah. It says, but Manasseh, but, Manasseh, but Manasseh did not drive out the people. The Bible goes on to say in verse 28 and verse 29, nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites. The Bible says in verse 30, neither did Zebulun drive out the Canaanites. The Bible says in verse 31, nor did Asher drive out the, uh, those uh, living in, in Echoa. In verse uh, th- uh, 33, neither did Naphtali drive out those. Does anybody get the point? Verse 34, the Amorites confined the Danites. Uh, and everybody compromised. Yeah, yeah. Let me say this. Our children are not the only ones that are compromising. Our children learn compromise from somewhere. Watch this. Go now to Judges 2, verse 1. Go to verse 6. Judges 2, verse 6. And I'm going to speak very plainly after that and and let you go. Judges 2, verse 6. The Bible says, Judges chapter 2, and verse 6. If you're there, would you say amen? amen? The Bible says, after Joshua had dismissed the Israelites... Now, this is a rewind of what we just read, except now they're giving editorial comments on why they could not drive them out. All right. Everybody ready for this? Kind of like, you know, if you like sports and you see somebody score a touchdown, you see one thing. But when they do an instant replay, you're able to see some other stuff. All right, here we go. Bible says, after Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to his own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Verse eight, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Heres. In the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Verse 10. I'm going to help somebody. After that, the whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. And then, what everybody? Another generation grew up. Uh Uh-oh, here they come. 
Who now? Now, can I tell you something right now? Our kids do not know the Lord. Now, let me show you something that I struggled with in my study. Watch this. The Bible said, we just read that the same generation that died, that, that gave birth to this other generation, they served the Lord when Joshua was living. They saw miracles. But how... In verse 10, does this happen? After that, the whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Verse 11, watch this now. So now I'm going to tell you why our kids are the way they are. The Bible says, then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. Our kids are worshipers. They just are worshiping another God. You know why? Well, it's not that bad. It's because they don't know the Lord. Neither do they know his ways. How does that happen? Let's go. Let's go. Deuteronomy 6. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. I'm tripping, ain't I? Oh, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Amen. Yeah, there we go. All right. So Deuteronomy 6. Watch this. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Can I just talk to you today? Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength. Did you get that? These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Everybody listen. First thing you need to understand is this. this. Is it possible? I'm just asking the question. Is it possible that the generation that we call so wicked has come out of church homes where they knew religion? They knew the rules. They were different. But they did not know the Lord. To the extent that it changed their heart. 
Now, what I'm showing you now is a strategy that the Lord is showing us on how to save a generation. The first thing the Lord says to us is he says, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your heart, not what you wear. And I know this, and I'm not, listen, please, and I'm going to go, don't worry, I'll fix it. Relax. But I'm, t- I'm just trying. Everything we did was not perfect. We historically have emphasized in our families and in our homes more of what we should not do than more of I serve a living Savior. I'm in love with Jesus. How do I know that you're in love with Jesus, mommy? Oh, 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 because I can see the way you and daddy relate to each other. Understand this. I, y- y- y'all don't know me, and that's all right. But I am, as, as, as traditional as many of you, I just have learned what matters and what doesn't. I'm gonna, let me just go here. Is jewelry going to cause you to go to hell? Nah. I used to think it did. That's right. <laughs> but is it getting out of hand? Mm-hmm. Let me tell you why. Because you start one thing, and, it, and it's going to get to a point, right, watch now, and you've seen it now, people are piercing everything. Now, here, here's my thing. If you open one door... Expect your children to go through the next one. Okay, let's, that's external. You didn't want them going to the movies. And you know what's amazing? I've heard some folks say this, that the reason those folks died yesterday was because they were at the theater. All right, well, can I also remind you of something? We had a gunman, at least seven of them in the past 10 years, who have walked into churches and blown people away. Okay. All right. Some of those movie theaters are are more safe than your house. It's hard for a child, and and I'm not saying this is your fault, but I'm just trying to put things into perspective. It's hard for a child to want to serve a God in a house where he sees his mother being abused. It's hard for a child to want. To accept this, this, this religion. When at home it's one way, and then at church it's another. Nobody wants to talk to me in here, man. I, I'm not saying, because I know what y'all think. He just is liberal. He ought to know. I have just come to realize if Taylor puts on earrings, I don't care. So. Do I want her to? Uh, probably not, because that's just how I was raised. I'm tired of dudes hitting on my wife because she don't got a wedding band on. But she about to get one. That they ain't gonna stop. It ain't gonna stop them all, but it's gonna stop some. Come on, say amen. Save me some fighting. And it's the church policy. But understand what I'm saying here. I need to, we have, what I think what happened.
happened is, is we got comfortable in the church. We started wanting to just be Adventist. And we stopped focusing on the mission. The mission is not to be here and just to do what we do and tell everybody else they're going to hell. The problem with that is our children are perceptive. They cannot tolerate a mean daddy who does not talk to them, who does not say he loves them, who is too busy for them, who is not around, who's not in their life. And then come to church and hear a preacher say, give your life to God. What they're saying is that there is no God. Where's my daddy at? The first God I was supposed to have, he's not even here. I'm simply saying we need to be more compassionate. We have children in this church who sexed. They take their cell phones. Look, man, they're not looking at pornography. They are pornography. And they're sending, and the initial reaction is, oh, my God. They are so wicked. They are so hurt. We live in a generation where we have had more kids abused. And they were abused in the golden age. Where we didn't have drums and, and when all we had was hymnals. And, and, and nobody was found in the church with a red shirt, short dress on. That was the, that was the age that they got molested. But leaders in the church. telling you what I want you to think. I'm telling you as an ordained minister of a Seventh-day Adventist church for the past 12 years of my life, a pastor's kid, fourth generation, Pine DuPont, Pine Forest, Oakwood, Andrews, I'm telling you what I know. I got pastor's kids, friends of mine. And they had to see their daddies be mistreated by church folk and get moved from place to place. And then we say, do you want to be a part of this church? Hell no. I'm telling you, you cannot Cover up all the mess and then get mad when we lost them. We lost them because we didn't drive out to Canaanites. And then there's some of us
I think now, now I have got to praise the other generation. And now I'm about to kick the rest of our butts. Everybody in that balcony. Anybody younger than 50? Hear me. They were not perfect. They didn't do it all right. But with what they knew, they did what they had. Now, that's still no excuse for you. Why, how can you say that, Pastor? You don't know what my upbringing is. I'm going to tell you how I can say that. Because the Holy Spirit did not die. Have we had a funeral for him? See, one thing I've come to discover is, is even when my mother and my father forsake me. See, 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 there is a connection here. Yes, parents ought to love God. Yes, they all should, should serve the Lord. And yes, we ought to create the best environment for our children to know Jesus personally. But even if they don't, is there anybody in here who came from that kind of family and they didn't and you're here today? So it can happen. Don't make an excuse because of what happened to you as to why you have not given your life. Let go of your anger and your pain and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior so you don't have to deal with the mess that they dealt with. Let me finish this. Part two next week. Let me finish this. Now watch the process. He says in verse seven, after you get him in your heart, then impress them on your children. You can't impress somebody. You can't give what you don't have. can't have a bunch of uncles coming in and out of the house. Kids can't even keep up with the names. Let me just tell you this. I understand. These kids are mad. They're angry. They're hurting. They have seen stuff that you and I have never seen before. These, these are kids who couldn't get mama to come and make them breakfast because she's in the bathroom on a toilet with a crack pipe in their hand. And their mama is like that. She's my age because she was raised in a home where she had no relationship with her father Come on, somebody. Do y'all see? You see how this thing happens? But he was a deacon in the church. And so pain gets passed down. I'm telling you how to do this thing. Know the Lord. Know Jesus. Know his love. The first thing you ought to teach your children is love. Unconditional love. Love you like, like you're crazy love. Love you no matter what. Impress them on your children. 
talk about them when you sit at home. I was talking to a friend of mine. He's here. I'm going to leave him nameless. And talk about how you go to church. And mama would shout and fall out and, and then come home. May I throw this out to you? Let me, let me, let me, let me I'm going to end on Let me back up in. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road. I want you to hear this. It says, talk about them. When should we talk about the goodness of God? It says about, it says talk when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Did you get it? Here's what happened. This is what our life looked like. Church. Tucked away at the end of the week, right at church. Friday, Satan. Thursday, Satan. Wednesday, Satan. Tuesday, Satan. Monday, Satan. Sunday, little Jesus. Because you got a hangover from church. Now, if the shoe, I got to keep saying this. If I ain't talking to you, then don't get mad. Pray for the person who I'm talking to. But I know I'm preaching the truth. The very first place, I'll give you the other steps next week. First way to ruin a generation is to give the spiritual responsibility to the church. It's that drop off thing. Drop them off the vacation Bible school. Drop them off the church. The first place that I was invited to know Jesus, you know where it was? In my living room at home. My daddy said to me, and let me just honor my parents for a minute. Not perfect. But one thing I gotta honor them for is their honesty. Jesus, yes. Yes. Your kids should be able to talk to you about anything. And see, and for and for and for those of you who are struggling with your kids right now, there is hope. Is there anybody out there who was the prodigal son and you came and you came back to the there is hope. I'm not telling you there's no hope. There's hope. But I'm telling you, for those of you who want to fix this thing, you got to understand that the, the emphasis of spirituality should not be here. It should be at your home. Yes. 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 Now, that's easy to say. What am I saying? Just have family worship. Yeah, do that. But more so. It is it is. They have to see Jesus. My daddy told me, this is what, it, man, this thing, he said, man, I was wild. I was, I was wild. Love the ladies. The stuff you're struggling with right now, son? Been there, done that. I know you're struggling. The Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost is on him. Yeah, yeah he's on him. Because I ain't told him. Anybody got kids and you know your kids is doing what you did? 
And you don't even have to, you don't got to see them do nothing. How many parents out there know God tell you stuff? He says, I've been there. And with tears in his eyes, never will forget it. This is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about don't do this. Don't do that. You can't go there. No, you can't play on the basketball team. No, you can't play football. But see, you have to understand, there's a reason why we don't do that stuff. And it's not just because we're not Adventists or because we're Adventists. We, we got a mission that's different from everybody else. But you can't sell them that until you sell them Jesus. He said with tears in his eyes, I'm not proud of what I've done. And now you know I got tears down my eyes. I'm not proud. I've made some mistakes. I've come short of God. I've not been the perfect pastor or the perfect father. Thank you for this moment, Father. This is my come to Jesus moment. He says, but I want you to know that God is merciful. He loves me in spite of myself. And Myron, I want to tell you that God will do the same for you. I'm not going to force you to know him. But I want you to know that I love him. And I want you to love him. I don't just love him because of what he's done for me. I love him because what he has has done, is doing, and will do for me. The thing that moves our children is when we're honest and tell them about the goodness of God. I don't know about you in here, but there's nothing like hearing from somebody that says I once was lost. But now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I'm telling you right now, those kids up there, if they hear it from daddy, if they hear it from mommy, if you walk as a parent in humility and realize that you are there to serve your children. I'm telling, I'm telling, oh, God is moving. There are some fathers in here right now and you have, you are disconnected from your daughters. You need a moment. Take them on a date. Take them on a camping trip. Don't go whitewater rafting. Come on, ladies. But no, no, understand what I'm saying here. But see, the thing is, is, see, the real true religion is uncomfortable. It's easy to say, fix this, fix that, change this, take that out, clean this up, do all that. It's easy to do that. It's hard to sit there and say, I'm a wretch. My God. And I spoke to you out of my pain. I'm still mad about what your daddy did to me 50 years ago. But I want you to know, the reason why I say what I say is because I love you. And I want you to be, do you understand what I'm saying? See, you can't just have worship. Yes, sir. All right, who's going to sing? You sing, you do that, you do that. Read scripture, all right, close, by. In that, ex- in that worship experience, somebody ought to be talking about the goodness of the Lord. Somebody ought to be talking about what he's doing in their life. They have 
to see it. You cannot do church and not do Christianity and think that the kids want that. I'd like to tell a story. Before I say that, Scripture says we should teach them when we're lying down. (laughs) You know, it's all Jesus, but it's real. I'm starting to observe spiritually how this thing is happening. Our home life is not right. Then we send them to public school. Why? Because the academics are better. You know what you're doing? You're not driving out the Canaanites. You want them to succeed in this world more than you want them to succeed in the mission. I ain't saying this is everybody's story. I ain't saying this is everybody's story. But this is what I've seen. We send them to those worldly schools where the influences are overwhelming. And I don't care what neighborhood is in. Columbine happened in a good neighborhood. Okay, so after that, then, oh, man, they do well. And then we say, well, man, you know what? Harvard is calling you. Ohio State. And guess what? You don't got to pay nothing. The whole thing we're motivated by when it comes to our children's education is how much money we can save. We stop being motivated by the mission. Understand what I'm saying here. I have done my job when my son Camden has the mindset of mission. Not the mindset of I made it. They go off to those schools. No foundation because we don't have time. We're too busy working. No time for Jesus. Come on now. You're working 40 hours a week, both of you. And they get home before you do, latchkey, and they're sitting at home, uh, you know, on the computer and doing everything else, God knows what. And so by the time they're grown, they, you can't tell them nothing no more. They go and they find somebody. This is why your grandchildren don't come to church. And you want them to come so bad. I'm just telling you how it happens. And then they marry somebody that doesn't know the Lord. I've seen this thing a thousand times. Or if they don't marry with them, they live with them. Hook up with them. Have babies with them. Tied down to it. And it's so hard now to come out of where they are. Well, that's my sister's story. Only difference is my sister went to all the right schools. But because she was adopted and given up by her mother in Korea, they they told her that when my sister was born, her father died 
So the omen in Korea is, you're a curse. Her mama gave her up for adoption. My parents did everything they could to raise her right. But she was not over. She had not, she had not healed from being a Korean child in an all-black house. For a little while, she thought she was black. And if you, her son will be here in a few weeks, and you, you will see. Uh, she, she was not healed from the rejection. That's right. As soon as she left CUC, she went out and got pregnant. Walked away from the church. Walked away from the Lord. Have you heard this story before? Married another guy who did not know the Lord. I remember we would go over to her house. She'd have shrimp in the refrigerator. And some of my family members would be getting mad because she had shrimp in there. Now, I'm just asking you a question. Do you think if you get on her because she has shrimp, that's going to make her? <laughs> that, that went over a lot of folks' heads, but for those of you who know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Wasn't keeping the Sabbath. You know, you, you know how it goes. What I did not tell you is when, what do you say? Pork chops? Them too. Prodigal son. Prodigal son. In the far country. I'm going to give somebody hope right now. In the far country. At the club. Come on. Drinking. Doing everything. Now she's locked in with this guy. He doesn't know the Lord. What I did not tell you is when my daughter, I mean my, my sister was little, my mom had a children's choir. And I, and she was the lead singer, a little Korean girl. James Cleveland used to sing a song, I'm blessed. Yes. As I look around me, I realize I'm blessed. I'll never forget it. She anointed. When she would sing, people would cry. You know what I'm talking about. The enemy saw that. He sees that in our kids. Fast forward. <laughs> you before last. Take your time. Take your time, but take it. And we're praying. You know. But she ain't over the hurt. No, ten years ago. Her mother decides she wants to meet her. Out of the blue. I was at Andrews. And she flew into Michigan, my, just out of blue. My mother's coming from Korea, and my sister was so nervous. She didn't know how she was going to deal with this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? See, it really, it wasn't God she was mad at. She was mad at God's people. Y'all forgive me for crying. Y'all know. 